Welcome to the Maritime Vision Podcast. I'm your host, Paul Wioli. In each episode, we bring you exclusive interviews with maritime professionals, industry experts, and students. Our guests come from different backgrounds, including shipping, yachting, offshore, and more. Our goal is to give you all the knowledge you need to succeed in the maritime industry. Welcome everyone, welcome back to a new podcast episode. We are with William, shipbroker with more than six years uh, of experience in, the, in this field. This uh, episode serves as an introduction of shipbroking and will be a real masterclass for those who want to know more about the world of shipbroking. Uh, hello William, it's a pleasure to having you uh, today in this uh, podcast episode. Can you introduce yourself and talk about your background please? Yeah, uh, hey Paul, it's, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, an happy Saturday. It's uh, it's been a bit of a, in a, a bucket list uh, uh, item of mine. This podcast. So thanks for reaching out. Uh, I have been, as you mentioned, in uh, in shipbroking for a little over six years. I studied both finance and uh, shipping, maritime business, two years in England. I currently live in uh, in Oslo where I've been working for the past six years. I did a two-year stint in the UK um, studying maritime business at the, the Solid University of Southampton. And uh, we have every semester there was this maritime week, right? Mm. It was uh, a maritime week where we had, you know, guest speakers with different backgrounds coming from different parts of the sector, sectors, uh, you know, all from tech to finance and everything in between, you know, logistics, management, container, gas, and finance, everything. And uh, <clears throat> Clarkson's actually, or <laughs> there was a Clarkson's guy, uh, HR guy who came and had a talk about what we're talking about right now, right? How, how to get your foot in the door and, you know, what it's like. And, and, he, and we had this competition or he announced this competition that was you have to write you have to write this text about the future of shipbroking what shipbroking what what you think shipbroking is about and uh, everyone submitted or i don't know how many but to me it felt like everyone was kind of like maybe 100 maybe 200 people uh because the prize was uh an internship in Clarkson's which was i think a summer like 3 4 months where you rotate on desks quite you know a fantastic program for for youngsters right and i actually won it i didn't even know what shipbroking was in practice but uh, i was kind of lucky i guess uh, but uh, yeah I, I won the prize and i was offered a 6 month uh, rotation desk rotation in clarkson's london uh, office such a nice uh, story i mean uh, because clarkson yeah, it's uh, it's very competitive i imagine in, in the uk yeah. all students want to make, to start internship with this company because this is uh, i think the number one in shipbroking uh, but it's still interesting that we, we have many op opportunities in this industry, especially in shipbroking. I want to ask you now, uh, can you define what is a shipbroker on the world of shipbroking? Can you make like five minutes? Or a kind of, it's an exercise, huh? <laughs> a kind of introduction of uh, this field. Yeah, uh, I might start. I don't know if I mentioned I work in dry bulk and uh, dry bulk only. I tried to dabble with some chemicals with some dry bulk clients, but never really panned out. But uh, but yeah, the, you know, 
in just layman's terms, it's procurement of cargo for ships and securing a carrier for cargoes, basically. Okay. Uh, that and you know, in in this respect, there is uh, there is a huge difference between uh, how you do it, um, because uh, it's it's. Uh, you do it on a voyage basis or a TC basis, which means you do it on voyage, means you do it on per ton basis. This is a different way of working uh, when you uh, approach the ships, because then you're doing it on behalf of a cargo. And if you're doing it on TC, which means time charter, which means you're basically renting a ship per day, mm. you're, often, you're often doing it on behalf of an owner. So it's a little bit of a different way of uh, doing things, but... You know, it's. Uh, I would say it's. Uh, it's basically you're a middleman, a facilitator, and the next step is you're a uh, you're a counselor, a consigliere uh, to one of the parties. Uh, and on the deepest, you know, on the deepest level, uh, as a shipbroker, you basically you get someone who's not doing freight to do freight. That's when you like get into it. How you really yeah. make someone. For example, if you get a. If you get an industrial client, say for example, do you have, do you have any uh, do you have any local industry? If you're a broker, you think do you have any local industrial giants that's you know you you know are moving cargoes but are not doing the freight? They are selling the product to a trader who is handling mm -hmm. the shipping part of it. Then you approach them and say, you know, I know all the terms, I know all the players. Uh, let me help you control the freight aspect yourself, which mm -hmm. is in many ways more complicated but it can in the long run save you money and uh, it's it, that so there are three stages you're either a middleman a counselor and then you are you know the one that actually facilitates someone to do the shipping part themselves you're brokering the ship for them the shipping you're a, you're a link to the industry basically okay. and, and what you do is you make two parties that have highly contradictory interests meet have a meeting of the minds you know um, uh, because the, uh, as a broker you have two principles you have both the owner and the charter and um, the charter are the cargo interest the owner owns the steel or controls uh, the, the steel and um, and uh, you know they want to protect their interests you know everyone's in it to make money or in cargo uh, well in the, on the cargo side to save money uh, and uh, you know, I've had many scream at me in frustration. Uh, you know, if you walk away from a deal where, where the deal is done, but when no one is happy, everyone got the best deal possible. You know, okay. uh, so you negotiate both, um, you know, money and uh, legal clauses. And I have, I don't have, don't have any legal background, even though my mother and my sister have studied law. I have not. But uh, but then also it's uh, you you're uh, you're a man of many hats basically you have to okay. represent um, you have to represent an owner a charter uh, find a silver lining or a middle ground and um, and also know a lot about a lot but you know it's different so you don't you know it you know a little bit about a lot but not okay not, you don't know. Very I know well, what you mean. But can can yeah. you provide a, like an example, for example, a practical example? For example, you have the cargo owner; he wants to ship the on board the ship. So you are you you need to to find the the space on board. So can you try to make it like 
very, how can I say, uh, concrete, practical. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Okay. So uh, let's use an example that's uh, that happened to me just today. It's Saturday. I wake. I wake up, and uh, you know, it's twenty-four hour, twenty-four hour, seven-day a week, no holidays, kind of business, right? <laughs> Lifestyle, as yeah. the old guys say. And I wake up this morning. I got a. I got a WhatsApp message from one of my clients saying, "I have this and this cargo uh, going from A to B." Uh, let's say from uh, East Med to Brazil, for example. I have 20,000 tons, 30,000 tons in owner's option. How much they can want to carry. And this is a voyage cargo. They they get paid how much they carry. They get paid per ton, basically. So, um, so I get this, and of course no one is really working in the weekends. It's kind of, the business is shut down, basically. I don't call around the owners on the Saturday or Sunday. Uh, but uh, on Monday, or I drop a couple of messages maybe today, but on Monday I do the rounds and they say, okay, I might have a ship. And, or I check the tonnage list, you know, because we use tools. I guess we'll get to that later. Uh, and then I see ships in position. If it's super forward, the ships aren't in the market yet, for example, then I call around. And that's when the relationship comes into the, comes into the picture. And, uh, and yeah, they, Tell me, you know, okay, I want this amount of money per metric ton, but I can't make dates. I want different dates, and we might not have a charter party already done, which means, okay, there's a lot more negotiation that's going to happen. If you have a charter party already done, you know, it's simple. You know, it's like tankers. You just negotiate uh, yeah. the merge uh, per metric ton, uh, you know, freight, and you're basically done, right? But uh, yeah, and also that's that's kind of how it goes. It's quite exhilarating, but yeah. Okay, very interesting. Um, yeah. So I know that uh, we have like two. So you have the time charter uh, on the voyage charter. Um, I, I think if we want to go deeper, it's like time charter. It's like you you book the vessel for a period of time. You you can it's kind of renting the vessel to make it like practical. On the voyage charter, it's like a point uh, A to point B. Uh, yeah. Okay, so these things at least is clear. Uh, I want to ask you this question. You, in shipbroking, we have SNP on chartering. Can you elaborate on it? Because people say uh, they're always confused. They no, don't know uh, like the difference between both on why a shipbroker doing both. Or, or do you need to specialize how it works? I have never done SNP. I, I said next to an SNP guy in my old uh, office, but. Uh, the only way I guess you can bind it if you have a long if you have a guy doing SMP and he also flips out the ship on long period that's basically it yeah. I've never even you know been close to you're doing chartering yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. I had uh, one of the senior guys in my old office he was uh, he was you know referring yeah so I think I have a buyer for the ship and then they but they don't know anything about S&P, so they call okay. S&P broker and then they get a maybe a referral fee if the deal, happen, deal happens, but okay. nah, not really. Um, you mentioned uh, previously, uh, so you have a customer call you to, to, you know, to send the, the, the cargo somewhere, and you need to find the ship. But do you need, when you, sometimes you don't know the ship, you don't know the ship owner, so is it your goal just to like cold calling, say uh, hello, uh, is it possible to book your ship or you, you still have a database on you, you yeah well that's kind of yeah the, the thing is that's way that's why you 
you know, I'm I'm very lucky to have come into uh, broken houses that have a great network. It's like mm. when I call an owner, they know who we are. It's like there's basically no unchartered owners. Um, maybe they they don't know me personally because I follow the clients now. I I follow you know I I follow the clients where they have cargos, and I might not I might never have loaded the cargo out of. South Africa, for example, but mm. all everyone knows the company, so I call them, and they it's all you know. It's as long as we have them in our database. But sometimes, you know, we see a ship that's a we see from another broker, perhaps, and we can search for the ship and try to do detective work, <laughs> try to find mm -hmm. out who the owner is, so we don't have to work with another broker on this. So we can do it ourselves. But uh, but yeah, no, it's it's mostly in our database. I guess if you're a new, if now if you come right out of school and you try to set up a broking shop. You're gonna be. You're gonna. You're gonna have to do all that legwork yourself. Okay. It's a bit. Uh, but yeah, no. Basically, all the A1 top-notch owners we are in contact with. Okay, very interesting. And uh, we know that we have like two kind of. Uh, can I say kind of company? We have the in-house brokerage and the competitive brokerage. Is it true? Or yeah, I would say you know in my previous uh, gig I was working. Uh, more competitive stuff uh, okay. I was working I was a TC broker basically uh, and there are different uh, you know you can do both but usually you have a TC broker and a voyage broker or a cargo broker um, and uh, I was a TC broker when I first started and I was working in a specific area because it's so mm. competitive that they have to specialize on an area so I picked an area that wasn't covered by my desk we were just a small team and um, and uh, and it's yes, a lot more competitive because even though you don't have any business to propose, you just call around, build a relationship, make them. You have to stay top mind, top of the mind for them. So you know it's it's a lot more competitive now. I work more on a. I don't want to undermine anyone, but I feel like it's more. Uh, I feel like it's more you you more service uh, clients uh, because I work on the voyage now, which means I have maybe well I'm I have clients that know shipping but maybe some of my colleagues they are they are working with industrial guys that shipping is just a super small part of their business you know mm. we had they outsource it basically to us they trust that we have the competence to uh, act in their best interest and uh, stuff like that so uh, so it's less competitive in that way even sometimes exclusive so uh, it's, it's a totally different way of working because you don't just call around just to you know, uh, just to just to have a talk, just to stay relevant. I, uh, you know, I've I've heard about some brokers on the TC just having a sheet of owners they call in the competitive on the super competitive stuff, uh, or or charters or operators they call, and they just go down the list every morning, call them, and then when they're done, start again. Oh wow! And then they just <laughs> yeah, so just keep. Do you have something now? Do you have something now? Because okay. they, when they are first, when on the competitive stuff, you need to be first, right? If you go to the toilet, you might lose out on a on a commission. So it's like, but uh, that's where the relationship comes into the picture, right? Because when you are, when you have a relationship, they will not, you you, will, you won't lose out because you go to the toilet or stuff like that. It's just, but okay. that, that that's just. Uh, that's a very simplification, but it was an example. Yeah, yeah that's good. It's, uh, easy, yeah. easy to understand. And uh, what yeah. about the tasks as a shipbroker? What kind of daily tasks you need? Even if I'm sure it's not the same every day, but the mainly you. 
uh, well, it's uh, well as I said, it's uh, it's procuring it's uh, procuring cargo for ships and securing a carrier for the cargos. Uh, it's uh, the daily tasks is you know following up on the market. It's uh, maintaining relationships. No matter how competitive, you always gotta maintain relationship because even if you're working with super competitive TC stuff or you're working on exclusive stuff. The relationship you have with the owners is always super important, right? Yeah. So the daily tasks is basically just staying on top of the market and uh, yeah, fix a lot of shifts, I guess. <laughs> wow, interesting, very interesting. And um, we know that you have different kind of um, type specialization, as you mentioned. We need to specialize. Uh, so you have dry bulk tanker. Can what is the main difference? Is it for you, you are dry bulk. What is the difference in your specialization? I'm not super familiar with different types, you know. But I shared a desk with a tanker broker at my last uh, my last gig, and you know he was this uh, it was this textbook ship broker. He was Silver Fox. You oh, know, he was a sil and Silver Tongue as well. He was just uh, you know so he's a textbook tanker broker, and he was just a legend on the desk. And uh, you know, but the thing is, they. Um, uh, they work a little bit differently. They obviously they call around owners as well. They uh, make position list uh, a little more than we do. We don't really do that. But uh, and the, but the thing is, oil is so or or crude. They were in crude. It's very standardized, right? So there's very little to negotiate on. Mm. All the terms are already predetermined by international law and stuff like that. So it's it's quite set in stone much of it. So they they, they negotiate on. Uh, like four or three different points is world scale uh freight and and the merge um i'm not so ta uh, containers for example i have no relationship with i think that's very standardized these days but i don't want to yeah. i don't want to say anything wrong because i'm i don't really know anything about it but uh those who are still in it are quite big and doing great i think but they squeezed out all the small ones because it's highly tech driven at this point right mm. merge still huge have in-house brokers, and uh, uh, I I have a couple of friends in gas and offshore and and uh, chemicals even, and seems super interesting. It's sharp elbows, same as every broker shop and every 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 sector in brokering. I mean, uh, so but I can't really speak to the yeah. to the exact differences. Uh, sorry, but uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's all in the in the end. I think it's all kind of the same. Like, okay. if you boil it down to the yeah, so so you for you so the dry bulk, um, I imagine you need to follow the market very closely because, uh, for example, with the events we have right now, uh, it has an impact on your job. I imagine. Yeah, it's like the, it's, in every sector, it's the cheapest ship that decides the market because. Oh. Uh, the the market is what the last fixture is basically, and even though if uh, owners uh, who says that was fixed too cheap, they say, uh, oh no, that doesn't count. It was some they needed to go to dry dock or whatever. Well, okay, they fixed uh, this level. That then this is the market now, and that's why it's so important to be on top of what is being done, what fixtures. Uh, it's so. The market is super liquid. I believe an, um, an economist described the shipping market and, and another market I can't recall which. The shipping market has like the perfect, uh, the perfect uh, like the perfect market because it's super transparent. Everyone speaks to everyone, and there's no hidden. Obviously now we have the, 
shadow fleet with Russia and we've had it with Venezuela and Iran to some extent, but uh, even North Korea, if I'm not mistaken. But uh, you know, it's it's all super transparent. You know, I see fixtures now. We have a two two tier market, for example. We see um, uh, now when we report uh, you know a fixture from from the continent or Baltic area, we say this was a Russian loader because you, see, you don't even need to mention it because it's always double the yeah. double the price. <laughs> so yeah, it's, imagine. Uh, yeah. So it's, okay. uh, but yeah, no, it's uh, it's important to be on top of it, I guess. Okay, okay. And do you have an anecdote to share about uh, your your journey as shipbroker or even in the maritime industry? Uh, well, 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 uh, you know, going back to what I said about the relationships, for example, I don't know if this is a cancel an anecdote, but or more like bragging. But uh, <laughs> I was I was uh, I was on a boys' trip to Ireland, like celebrating New Year's Eve. You know, we do this every year uh, with the lads, and um, and uh, and uh, on, on New Year's Eve, I get a message from you know my owner, my my super close owner. We were good friends. He was actually a reference when I was job searching, so we were close. He was a great guy, and uh, and on uh, on New Year's Eve, he sent me a message like, "Hey, you're on subs." <laughs> with uh, this and this, uh, from it was US Gulf to India. It's good paying business, you know, for a trip out of the Atlantic, it's, it's always high high rates. And uh, and I'm like, what you, <laughs> what is this? And you know, yeah, congratulations. We're uh, we're on subs until January second or whatever. And uh, when you're on subs, um, might mention this. Uh, when you conclude a deal, uh, when you con when you start the parties done negotiated basically or when the main terms are negotiated you go on uh, uh, subjects which is a, a 24 hour clock uh, Sundays, holidays and Saturdays excluded uh, which means that the vessel is in for vetting in both load port and discharge port or you know all the ports involved uh, so you have 24 hours to reconfirm uh, the business basically and you know this, uh, <clears throat> and this time, you know, it's obviously used to do the charter party points because owners have a charter party that's connected with the ship, so you did those points. But and you and, and back in the day, you know, rumor has it that back in the day, this 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 uh, time was purely technical. It was only for technical approval, but some traders, you know, uh, just figure out, okay, we might actually use those 24 hours to our advantage. If the market falls, we can find something cheaper, we can let go of the ship. And then now it became kind of like, now it also became if the market drops in that time, we might find something else. So that has happened to me a couple of times just because the market dropped in 24 hours. It says a little bit oh. how volatile the market can be, which is oh. what happened on January 2nd. <laughs> the market had tanked. Uh, just because Q1 is always pretty weak in my sector, uh, and the ship was released. So, but it was an anecdote, nonetheless. So, wow, <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Such a big one. Yeah, that was pretty so, sad. Sad start to the year, I can tell you. That. Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> even now the market is crazy, you know. It 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 is quite. It is it is quite firm. It is it is quite firm. It was it was super firm. Like in the wake of Corona, you know, oh. right after it just tanked, and yeah. then you know it took off. It, like it went parabolic. It was 
absolutely insane because you know these ships got tied up in port for um, for uh, for what do you call it quarantine. It's been so long since Corona, I forgot the quarantine word. Okay. I, 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 like, because it, you have to wait two weeks between uh, the loading port and discharge port. And mm. obviously, if you do the long hauls, then that wouldn't, the, 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 the 14 days at sea, you know, you don't need to wait 14 days in a port then. But a lot of those quick trips, uh, you know, tied up a lot of tonnage, which gave a squeeze in the market. And obviously, cheap interest rates kind of fueled. It facilitated a lot of traders to, you know, move cargos because when you have low interest rates, obviously, uh, when money is cheap, you can easily do a deal. Uh, so it uh, it went parabolic. I must say. I must say. Actually, at wow. the top of the market, I did a cargo that was trading. You had to follow Icebreaker up in the Baltic. It was. December 2001 and that was the the highest fixture I've ever done it was because obviously you have ice you have the market high and this was a, a trip out of the Atlantic to India uh, with fertilizer I had a time chart equivalent uh, on that it was a voyage cargo it was $67,000 a day on a 63,000 tonner and for reference now it's like 20 maybe Oof, and on wow. the on the bottom earlier this year it was like 10 so so yeah it was quite it was quite uh, it was quite firm it was mm, but this is something that happens like maybe three four times in the lifetime of a broker i think so it's okay but yeah. you you uh, you had this uh encounter this experience nice um what uh, about collaboration with um, other players in the industry because as a shipbroker you maybe you work with the charter uh, chartering team and um, it can be have of course the ship owner what is the who are your i can say uh, colleague yeah yeah, no, I, I can't mention any names, but it's a mutual bene mutually beneficial relationship. You know, charters depend on my link into the shipping industry, my relationship with owners, and owners depend on my link to the cargo client, my relationship with the charters. And I work now, you know, earlier in my last gig, I was working uh, primarily with, uh, uh, with the operators and the owners uh, doing TC, because operators, they book in voyage cargos from the industrial guys. Uh, the traders and then they play the market you know because they might think the market is going down they book it mm. try to find a ship in the market for it make money in the margins uh, and uh, so I was doing that before working for operators such as uh, you know operators are like uh, operators owners maybe Western Bulk uh, all the Danes there's so many Danes and um, and Old North huge mm. um, so, uh, but now I work more towards the industrial guys and the traders and, uh, you know, I, okay, my clients, they know shipping. So they, in some cases, know more than me on certain stuff. Uh, still, you know, six years in and I'm still learning new stuff. But, uh, but yeah, no, I, um, I, I would say that, you know, it's mutually beneficial that, you know, they teach me, I teach them and, they try to just get good freight, and they are very, they are very um, interested in good performance from the mm -hmm. owners. So even if I have, say, a 
a one ship owner that uh, like a ship owner with one ship uh, that maybe I have never fixed before that is maybe one two dollars cheaper than the other one which they know which they can rely on they go for the more expensive one because they are very interested mm. in having good performance so that's why say big operators can book cargoes because they are a reliable counterpart even though they book in a ship that they might not you know fully yeah. have a relationship with they can they can do that and uh, replace it if need be so because they are not the counterparty to the industrial guys yeah okay okay so yeah still have a, a lot of uh, relationship to to as for young shipbroker to build on um, switching to uh, young people like what kind of advice can you give to someone who wants to start uh, uh, in sh the shipping shipbroking industry don't do it <laughs> we don't need any more competition here. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Easy, easy yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I, uh, the thing is, uh, as I said, uh, it's not a protected title. You don't need to study it, but it, it shows interest. You know, uh, as grades do when you study, they are not, grades are indicative. They aren't determined, they don't determine if you're smart or not. They indicate, you know, perseverance and, and stuff like that. Um, but, you know, I would say, you know, be aggressive to put your foot in the door. Like, mm. uh, just if you want to be a shipbroker, even if you haven't studied it, if you're, you know, even just a good salesman or whatever, you just knock on the doors of your local shipbroking houses on your, if you're on vacation, you know, try to figure out where they are. Just knock on the door, hand your resume and say, yeah, I want to work for you. I think I can do a good job. And uh, they will they will sit at the desk, uh, well, the lady in the front desk will maybe come and say it, or you just talk to a broker directly, and they will they they will speak about you for weeks. They were like, this guy, this guy, oh, I like him. I like the cut of his jib, you know. Oh, wow. <laughs> so yeah, no, I think that's the I think that's definitely like the that's the easiest way to well, obviously you step out of your comfort comfort zone and put yourself out there, but it's. Uh, it's definitely, I think, the number one tip. I got the same tip, but you know, in the meantime, I got a bit lucky, um, so I didn't have to do that. But uh, I know some people that have done it with great success. So that's good. Yeah, good, good. That. So uh, it's the end of the podcast. But do you want to add something, maybe, or will you stay there with me? I think like. It's also pretty important that you you know yourself to be a cold, you know a chameleon because you know, there are so many cultural differences. Mm. Uh, so you kind of also need to tread carefully, be respectful, and you know handle your alcohol is also pretty important. But uh, <laughs> uh, and also it's uh, when you get into this stuff, it's it's a lifestyle. You know, it's you can it's a lot of it's a lot of. Yeah, I have fixed ships from vacation. My girlfriend was furious with me for being away from the I was on the beach I had to step away find Wi-Fi and oh. you know yeah ended up fixing it but then I on subs on subjects and then I came back from vacation and the vessel delayed so it didn't so it didn't even so but still you know it's uh, you have to you have to be there and do it uh, you have to do the job basically uh, but uh, and yeah also there are like hazards because uh, I was actually I was uh uh, I was uh, I was bidding I was I was looking at an apartment and my realtor calls and he was like ah oh, there is some a lot of interest on this on this uh, on this uh, apartment 
And I'm like, yeah, no, yeah, lasses. Because that's what uh, in shipping we are very like we just, we have to be good at poker as well because we show yeah no yes yeah <laughs> yeah okay sure sure and then and then he calls me and then I call him and yeah so what's the status on the on the apartment oh it's sold what oh. you didn't give me last refusal <laughs> and, and then I realized okay you know in the housing market doesn't really work like that so it's uh, so you know it's, <laughs> so you have to also separate it's a lifestyle they have to kind of learn to separate it as well. Okay. So, but yeah. Wow. Quite interesting and funny at the same time. <laughs> yes, you know, pleasant and funny experiences as well. I, uh, uh, but it was, you know, it was memorable nonetheless. Um, we had a, we had a ship uh, loading in North Brazil, going to the Persian Gulf or Arabian Gulf, and uh, en route from. Uh, North Brazil, one of the crew members actually died, and I'm speaking to you know the mess that you have to go in as a broker, mm. and you know, and the reason it was a mess because you know the sea leg is huge from North Brazil to to the Gulf, so they had to stick this guy in the freezer. Imagine, imagine this poor cook coming in there every day, staring into his eyes. Jesus. Oh. Yeah, and then they were a month at sea at least, right? And then they come to the Gulf and they and the discharge port. Like, we don't want them. Well, what are we gonna do with them? We can't accept them because it was it was on the start of Corona as well. So mm. you know they couldn't. Uh, we, we don't have the infrastructure to have this person ship them and quarantine. It doesn't work like that. So then they had to keep him on board in the freezer, and then they had to secure a cargo going specifically to around this area where he was from. I believe it was Southeast Asia, the crew was Southeast Asian. And uh, so he was there on board for a total of like 70 days. And his family was so it was, and it was, a, you know, it's a, it's a logistical mess, you know? Yeah. And you have to step in as well. Obviously the operations department are, they are on top of this kind of stuff, but you also have to you know, have a finger in it as well. And we also had, a less pleasant experience as well, where we had a period ship on. It was a long period to one of the huge operators. Just head on the local head, on, like a Norwegian head on ship, and uh, the ship was discharging off the coast of West Africa, and um, it, the crew actually got kidnapped by pirates. It was uh, it was when there was there was more pirate activity on the west coast of Africa. There's basically none mm. now, or there's very little uh, compared to the you know, East Coast, uh, and uh, the crew was actually kidnapped. So, uh, and you know, we had to involve uh, the American hostage negotiators. The insurance paid ransom. Or everyone got home safe. But you know, this is something we have to be on top on as well, right? Which is yeah. the first time for everything. Maybe you had never done it before. I had never done it before. Never seen it. But uh, it was uh, it was something you experience you know and yes, it's uh, uh, something yeah i, ho I hope you won't have this expense maybe two times i mean for the crew it's not good yeah mm. yeah they're a, bit, they're a bit more they're a bit more on that kind of stuff now like in nigeria you hire, you hire gunboats and uh, and yeah so it's a bit more yeah it's a bit more okay. on top of it so this kind of events can have a big impact in uh, the shipping uh, commercial aspect imagine because it creates, of course, uh, for, of course, it's not good for the crew. Secondly, it creates delay on all the stuff behind. Yeah, yeah. I might, uh, I can, I can add that uh, that the head owner never calls Nigeria again. Oh, never. yeah, for sure. Yeah, 
<laughs> so I imagine the, the little area there in the uh, you know along the coast that is Nigeria this this area yeah. here mm -mm. <laughs> yeah okay over this thing. <laughs> thank you for your two anecdotes <laughs> yeah it's so amazing. yeah thank you William for this uh, ep episode it was very uh, inspiring very interesting and uh, I wish you all the best and uh, thank you again and have a really nice uh, afternoon now <laughs> yeah you too have a great uh, weekend thank you bye bye, bye, -bye. Cheers. Bye. Thank you for listening and watching this episode. We are looking forward to bring you more inspiring stories from maritime professionals, experts, and students. Do not hesitate to leave a review on Apple Podcast and subscribe to the YouTube channel. Your support means a lot to us, and it greatly helps in our continuous growth. We committed to bringing you more exciting episodes with passionate guests. 